You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. Well, I, I kind of agree with you. That's not my time either, the way God does things. It's not my time. Sometimes I think the time that should have been God's time was a time and a half ago, you know, or two times ago. Often I says to myself, God, you should be working a lot faster. And then I says, this is the time that you should be fitting, see? Then I have to repent. Of course, he doesn't fit my time. You know how one thing leads to another, and another, and another? It's kind of like when you know it takes humility to squash pride, or when it takes handing the reins over to Jesus because your hours should be led by Him and not yourself. Folks, He has His own timeline, and it's perfect. The culmination of these reflections hinder the materialistic nature of this world, as Pastor Tom tells us today. Are you ready to deny earthly satisfaction so that your relinquished life points to Jesus? Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 4 with today's edition of Discover Hope. You don't need to go out looking for what is the will of God for your life. Should I do this? Should I do that? That stuff will become clear as you go through life, as you invest yourself in different experiences, as you rub shoulders with different people. They'll tell you what you're good at, and they'll tell you what you're bad at. But God's will for your life is here. This is his will for your life. You read the word and the word says, this is what I want you to do. And so if you're going to be submitted to God, you have to be taking the word of God very seriously for yourself personally. We try to do that as a church. But individually, and fathers in your homes, that's what you need to be doing, taking the word of God very seriously in your homes. It expresses God's will for your life. Don't go looking out there for the will of God when God says, this is what I want you to do. Submit yourself to this. Set your heart to believe what it teaches. Set your heart to do what it says. What if it doesn't make any sense to me, pastor? You do it anyways because you trust him. It makes sense to him, and he has a lot more experience, right? No wonder the world is always mocking those who carry their Bibles around and follow their Bible. Have you ever been mocked for carrying your Bible around? Say, I don't carry my Bible around. Well, maybe you should start. Maybe that would be a great thing. Take a Bible, carry it around, bring it to workplace, and let someone say something. It's amazing. It's amazing. Why that book? Why are they all upset about it? That would be the first question I'd have for someone, right? Why are you upset with that book? If it's not true, you don't have anything to worry about. If it is true, you shouldn't be upset with it. It's true. Come read it with me, right? This is the will of God, and it expresses the will of God. But they, they don't like this book. They, there's a reaction to that book. There's a mockery to that book. There's a stiff arm to that book. Why? Because they're in rebellion to the book. Sometimes they get it better than we do. They're in rebellion to the book because they're in rebellion to God. That book reminds them that they're under judgment for being rebellious to God. What will God use on Judgment Day to judge them? He'll bring out His Word. We try to live in obedience to it. Now, we're not perfect, but at least we're picking up reading, trying to say, I'm trying to act like that. I'm trying to do that. Oh, Lord, give me more grace. Our hearts are submitted to some degree to that, and we're trying to learn more of that. But they're not. I mean, they're footloose and fancy free. They're doing whatever they want. They're their own authority. They hate any authority, really, some of them. But this book exposes their charade of goodness. If you don't believe in Christ, you've disobeyed the first commandment of God because God said, you have to believe in my son. 
I sent him into the world for you to believe in him. To not believe in the son is disobedience to God. It's rebellion to God. Isn't it interesting that Islam says that it's the religion of submission to God and that a Muslim is one who's submitted to God? No, they're not. They're in full-scale rebellion to the God of heaven. Every last Muslim, because they're not submitting to the Son of God who is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Their entire religion is in rebellion to God. Unbelievers are not good. Their unbelief is bad. It's not that they just made another choice. They made a choice to not believe what God said, and in that choice, they're rebellious towards God. Anyone who does not follow the Bible, and now we have to put it this way, anyone who does not follow the Bible as it is written... Not as they would like it to say or they back up several steps and say, well, in general, what I think the Bible is saying is, no, that's why we take time to go into the words because they're there and God, God put his words in there and he wants us to listen to them and he wants us to obey them. Well, I don't take the Bible all that literally. Well, then you're in rebellion to God. You're in rebellion to God because God takes his word very literally. You say, in every spot? No, I mean, the spots, some spots are obvious. It's not supposed to be taken literally. But even there, we're, we're studying it with a normal interpretive grid so that we can understand when there is a simile or a metaphor or some analogy or some parable that's being given. We understand that. And that's a serious approach towards Scripture because we're trying to learn it, right? But if someone says, I don't take it all that literally. I mean, you guys really get into the Bible there. They're expressing that their heart's not submitted to God. And sadly, their church might not even teach them that in order to be submitted to God, in order to please God, they have to take this book in their life series. Their church might not even be telling them that. That's that. Well, no one who pushes this book aside is submitted to God. You know, who is a Christian and who is not a Christian kind of sprung out this week, did it not? The Pope's declaring Trump not a Christian or did he or did he not? Is the Pope a Christian? <laughs> What makes a Christian? The one who says, I have come to know Christ and does not keep Christ's commandment is a liar and the truth is not in him. Pretty clear. Pretty clear tests about who is a Christian and who is not a Christian. We can't judge the heart. We can judge the fruit. And there's some pretty clear tests about that, right? So that includes politician. That includes president. That includes pope. And that includes us and our hearts. Even as believers, we need to keep submitting ourselves to God. Some of you need to keep doing this again. I know when I'm preaching through this series, one of the reasons I'm slowing down is it's ministering to my heart. I love this text of Scripture. I didn't at first, be honest. It, you know, it's like, that's, all, that's, that's heavy. But as you get into it, you just learn every single one of these commandments that seems sharp and strong and humbles our heart. Oh, it does. It's like a bomb on your soul. It's just a soothing, soothing aroma and a soothing ointment on our soul just to help us to learn to love God and follow Him more. Well, some of you need to do this again. You need to submit to God's leadership in your life. Please take your, your submission to God seriously. Please do that. Please think about your life. Please think about where it's heading. What are your goals? What are you doing with your time? How is your money being spent? You know, all of, the, all of the resources that you have, all the direction of yourself, please take that seriously and ask, am I really being submitted to God? I, I would give you this advice. If you're struggling with this, get alone with God this week. Get alone with God. Take a Bible. Put it on your lap. Look out at the nature that God made. Look, look out and think of the majesty and the grandeur of Almighty God, the Most High of Heaven. Get out there alone with Him where you can really think about your relationship with God and be thoughtful about it. And read the book. 
Read the book. Read what it says. Read some of the Psalms. Read some of the epistles. Read what it's saying to your soul. Push out all the business that you have to do, all of the chores that you have to do. Get, get it out of your way for a while. And think about this one, the Ancient of Days. And get down low before him. Don't, don't be angry at him for not answering your prayers already. And if you are angry at him because he hasn't answered your prayers already, confess that and start with that. Don't tell him that he hasn't brought you that friend that you've been asking for the last five years and so, and so you're just not going to draw near to him. Don't say that. Instead, say, Lord, I know that you'll meet all my needs. Don't remind him that he hasn't brought you that job that you think you need or that house that you think you deserve or that ministry that you thought by now would emerge or that wife or husband you've been longing for because your heart's lonely or that better health that you crave. Just say right in the midst of your pain, right in the midst of your want, the Lord is my what? Shepherd. I shall not want. Right in the midst of the pain, say, the Lord is good, bless his name. Right in the midst of your rejection, go back to the cross and remember that you are eternally accepted in Jesus Christ. Right in the midst of your neglect, remember the little sparrow that the Lord Jesus said taught us a lesson, right? His eye is on the sparrow and I know he what? Watches me. Say that. Say, Lord, you're right. You're right and you're just in all your dealings with me. This isn't the way I would have designed my life. This isn't how I would have made it progress. I would have had this done by the 30s and this done by the 40s, or if you're younger, whatever. This is what I wish would have emerged this way. I can't believe you rerouted my life that way. Took this person out of my life. Didn't allow me to have that thing right when I was about to get to it. That's not how I would have ordered things. And then he can remind you, and if I had let you order things the way you wanted, you would not grow to understand the things that I'm trying to teach you in life, right? Do you remember that spiritual song, in his time, in his time, he makes all things, what? Beautiful in his time. So you say, Lord, I submit to you. I'm ready to do your will. I don't know where you're taking me. I don't understand why you work the way you do, but I will submit my heart to you. I will submit my future to you. I will submit my family to you. I'll submit my schooling, my occupation, my ministry, my health to you. And then God will lead you. You're his sheep. He'll lead you beside the still waters and the green grass in his time. You might be sitting there saying, yeah, but that's not my time. My time for the fulfillment of those things was yesterday. Well, I kind of agree with you. That's not my time either, the way God does things. It's not my time. Sometimes I think the time that should have been God's time was a time and a half ago, you know, or two times ago. Often I says to myself, God, you should be working a lot faster. And then I says, this is the time that you should be fitting, see? Then I have to repent. Of course, he doesn't fit my time. I am going to tell you that no matter how much faith you have and stomping around the room and hallelujahs you give, God will not bend. The only time he bends is when you start asking the things he wants you to ask. Then he works powerfully. You just come before the master and you submit yourself to him. You have your hands clinging to the steering wheel. 
It's mine. I will drive my life where it needs to go. And he could peel those fingers off. He could rip them off. At times he does. But mostly he appeals to you here, submit to God. You know what that means? You got to let go of the steering wheel. And then you got to switch seats. You got to get over in the passenger seat and let him in the driver's seat, right? That's submitting to God. Yeah, but where is he going to drive us? Where is he going to go? You don't know. What's around the bend? You don't know. And I don't know. So you're going to trust him and submit to him, yes or no? That's really the question, isn't it? Elizabeth Elliot, widow of the famous missionary Jim Elliot, died at the age of 88, but she lost her first husband, that missionary, in 1956, I think it is. I have a hard time reading my notes. She was in her 20s. She had a little baby at home. She lost her husband, missionary. And that she submitted her life to God anyways. Look what God did with her life from 28 to 88. You have no idea what God's going to do with your life, right? You have no idea how God's going to use you. If you're young, I mean, think what God could do with you, but you have to learn to submit to Him. If you're middle-aged, all is not lost. And if you're old, you still don't know the day that you are going to go. Listen, Samson did more to serve the Lord in his death than any other time. God could take you at any point in time, 88, and He could do more with you from 88 to 91. By the way, you're wiser now, and so God can use you better. Your prayers are better now. So don't give up because you're old and the body is weak. This submission is part of the humility we all need to learn before Him, to get down low before God. Sometimes it helps. Have you ever prayed on your belly? So are you allowed to pray on your belly? Of course you're allowed to pray on your belly. You can pray standing, which was the usual, usual way the Jewish men would pray. We tend to sit, bow our heads. They tend to stand, put their hands up and look up. At least that's what we were told. You can pray in your knees. Have you ever just gotten down flat on your face before God and humbled yourself in that way? It's really a humbling experience. I'd encourage it. I would encourage it. Submission to God and humility cannot be separated. If we are humble, we will put ourselves underneath His Lordship. What is submission? Submission is a glad agreement with Christ's authority over your life. That's what it is. A glad agreement with Christ's authority over your life. A submission that is, is willfully done and joyfully done, I think. It is the fulfillment of those words you said when you got saved. When you got saved at whatever age it was, 10, 20, 30, you said, and the Spirit of God worked in you to say this, Jesus is what? Lord. When you said Jesus is Lord, you were making a statement that you were submitting to Him as your Lord. It's not just that He's some Lord out there. He's the Son of God over all the nations. He comes back to rule over all. We have to learn to say in our hearts over and over again, when I said that Jesus is Lord, that means right now He is Lord over my life, my pocketbook, my plans, my children. He's Lord over all of it. Submit to God in those areas. R. Kent Hughes says, many believers have a quiet feud with God. Is there hidden rebellion in our lives? Is it so hidden that perhaps only those closest to us see it? when they hear our morose humor and momentary bitterness? If so, there's only one answer. Submit to God, he writes. Let go. 
and say, though I do not understand my situation, I bow before you and submit my whole life to you, end quote. You will never be disappointed that you submit to God. It's only the devil that tells you otherwise. Speaking of the devil, here we go. Submission to God is connected to the next two actions commanded of believers, which brings us, brings kind of out to the four, God and the devil. And he starts with the devil, interestingly. He says, resist the devil. You see that? Resist the devil. That's a command. That's a command to believers. It's a command to believers similar to 1 Peter 5, 9, which says, resist the devil firm in your faith. Notice again where the responsibility is placed. It's placed on the believer, right? Again, I have to say this. I said it last time. Sanctification, your growth as a Christian, becoming more Christ-like, must be engaged. It cannot be a merely passive process. The command is given to us, and the command is resist. Literally, it means to stand against. Sometimes it was used as a military metaphor. Stand your ground. No retreating. Don't turn tail and run. Sometimes it's translated in your Bibles with the word oppose, such as the men who opposed Moses in 2 Timothy 3.8, or a man named Alexander the coppersmith who, Paul wrote, vigorously opposed his teachings in 2 Timothy 4.15. Here, the one that's supposed to be doing the resisting is us, and the one we are to resist is who? The devil. He's the one to be resisted, the devil. The devil is not a metaphor for evil. Here's where we need to take our Bible seriously. The devil, as the Bible writes about the devil, is a real spiritual person. You cannot read the Bible, all the dozen locations that it talks about the devil and describes the devil and gives the devil's words and what he likes and what he dislikes and conclude that he is anything but a real, intelligent, spiritual person. People who interpret talk of the devil as merely a psychological description of mental illness, they're blind to the fact that there is a real spiritual world. You can't even explain the physical universe without backing up to something that's not the physical universe, a supernatural realm, a spiritual realm. It's logically required. And there is an angelic sphere where there are all kinds of orders of angels. And there's battles going on there. And we need to be aware of that combat. Now, by the way, we're not told everything we want to know about spiritual con combat in the Bible. But we're told enough to let us know it's real and we need to be aware of it. And we need to know that some of the stuff that happens in our world happens because evil spirits are at work, particularly at the behest of this one evil spirit and ruler, the devil himself. There is that supernatural dimension, and that needs to be part of our thinking. So the devil refers to a real devil, not a guy with a little red suit and uh, the pitchfork and all of that, but a real fallen cherub of God. He is a being who evidently was made quite beautiful, quite powerful, quite intelligent, but now he arrogantly opposes God, and he rages in anger against God. In fact, he rejects all things of God. In Revelation 22, it labels him the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. So now we know every time the Bible talks about those four titles, it's talking about the same person. The term devil means slanderer. What an appropriate name for him. Satan's goal is always to oppose the work of God 
and to slander the reputation of God so the people of God won't follow God. Since Satan always opposes God, we are told we need to resist him. For anything that he does, and he does and tries to do with us, will hurt us and hurt our walk with God. Turn for a moment to the le Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6. Many of you are familiar with the spiritual armor and spiritual battle, but um, this is a great corollary verse to look at, since more is explained in Ephesians than in James. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, I'll read. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord. Can't be strong on your own, notice. And in the strength of His might, you don't have enough. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against. And here he's a little more particular. He doesn't say to stand firm against the devil, although that's intended, but to stand firm against the methoduo, the schemes of the devil, the methods his tried and true methods he's used for generations, for millennia really, that lead people into sin and rebellion against God. And then in verse 12, we're reminded our struggle is not against human beings, flesh and blood. You know, don't get angry, don't get a foaming mouth anger at people of the other political party. Do you understand what's going on behind the scenes? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, what are we to do? Get out and vote? No, it doesn't say that. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Evidently, there's an evil day that the devil targets certain people. It's not talking about the end times in this context. It's talking about some time where a church or individual is attacked, and you don't know when that's coming, so you need to keep the full armor of God on so you can resist in that evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Notice again, stand firm and put on the full armor of God, it says. We are in a perpetual resistance movement. It's against unseen spirits and rulers in another dimension. We can't see them with our eyes, but they're active. Jesus did battle with the devil in the wilderness, correct? Satan came down and afflicted Job, and he had to endure through his trials because of an attack of Satan God allowed in his sovereignty in order to show God's greatness in sustaining Job through those trials. Adam and Eve fought a losing battle with him in the ancient serpent. Ephesians 4.27 says the devil looks for opportunities like a foot in the door so he can get to you through anger. It says be angry but do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity because he'll take it through your anger. Going back to James 4, why is the devil brought up right here? Why is he saying resist the devil? How does that fit the context? We kind of answered it already. Because the devil is the architect and the ruler behind the system called the world. Remember, the world's not talking about the planet or necessarily the people, but the system that includes fallen humanity and all of the evil spirits, they're part of it. It's an organized system, and Satan is a ruler of it. How do we know that? 1 John 5, 19 says, we know that we are of God, we Christians, and we know that the whole world, same word, lies in the power of the evil one. That's Satan. He's at work in the world. He uses the world to lead us into sin and rebellion to God. The world is his, it's his realm. It's what he has designed. It's what he's fought for. It's what he's conquered. It's what he offered to Christ if Christ would become the Antichrist. Remember he said, bow down and worship me. 
And there is Satan in his audacity trying to turn the Holy Son of God into the Antichrist and have him rebel against God and worship him. And what did the devil have to offer the Lord Jesus Christ? All the kingdoms of this world, remember? In Matthew 4. And the devil works to entice the flesh that was mentioned back in verses 1 through 3, those pleasures that wage war in our members. Pastor Tom talked today about completely surrendering all life determinations to the Father who cares for every man and woman, boy and girl. This is so important keeping the negative influence of today's culture at arm's length. Will you admit that God's way is better than your way? That His timing is impeccable no matter how it looks to you? Trusting Jesus is an exciting adventure just waiting around the corner for you. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leak, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit HopeBible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Need some pointers on how to recognize that slimy snake named Satan when he interferes with your life? Do you have things you want, but it's hard to tell if those desires are yours or someone else's? Don't miss out next time when Pastor Tom reveals three of the devil's most used tools to get us off the path of humility. He always works at keeping your focus inward and off God. This cannot be. To listen again to today's message in the book of James, visit HopeBibleChurch.org and look under the Sermons tab. Pastor Tom will return soon with another in-depth study of God's Word. So join us again right here on Discover Hope.